Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Start this interview. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. To stay updated on all things VOBB, you can swing by our website, boothbesties.com, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And join us on uh, in the VO Booth Besties Facebook group as well. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, JT. Thank you very much. If you've been watching television over the past three decades, chances are pretty good you have heard Tom Pinto's voice. Tom Pinto has been one of the more prolific documentary and docuseries narrators for the past quarter century. He's currently heard on Charles Manson for the History Channel, The Twilight Zone for Paramount Plus, which my kids are digging, by the way, Americans Underground and Crazy Monsters for Smithsonian, as well as the BBC's America's Arctic Nature Documentary. This year, Tom is honored to narrate dozens of features, featurettes celebrating Warner Brothers' 100 years. From 2007 to 2020, he was the promo voice fixture for CBS Evening News, 48 Hours, and CBS This Morning, and last year became the imaging voice of CNN's primetime lineup. Currently, Tom can be heard doing imaging, uh, image branding for three serious XM channels, including Classic Vinyl. As a coach, Tom works with talent around the world, and his primary focus is the arena of TV narration, or as he likes to call it, primetime narration. Yeah, hey, Tom. So you've done a few things. <laughs> <laughs> you, Longe- you're not a newbie. <laughs> Longe- longevity, that's all. You know what I mean? I love it's, it. You just gotta you gotta you have to keep uh you have to keep grinding. And and I think it's uh you have to keep evolving. And so sometimes it's about not just what you want, but you take what the universe is offering you as well. And uh I'm just, you know. I'm just fortunate to do the kinds of things that I want to do at this stage in my life and uh, devote a little more time to some writing and a certain amount of time to coaching, to voiceover, and then to gardening. So there you go. (laughs) I love it. I love that you use the word evolution because I would argue that even from, you know, post-pandemic, even from last year, there's had to be an evolution. So before we we kind of get into the, the the weeds of our topic today, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit? We're not really much of a story podcast. Like we like to kind of really get down to business, but I would be interested since you have been in the industry so long. Can you give us the little synopsis of how Tom got started? Oh, boy. All <laughs> right. Here we go. Sh- shrink wrap. Uh, okay. DJ who got out of doing DJ and became production director at radio stations because I enjoyed putting things together. And I found I was having more fun doing the voices on the commercials and the promos than going, Hey, here come the Bee Gees, you know? So um, then eventually that led to coming back to LA and uh, trying to get uh, into Hanna-Barbera because we had a family friend and this and that. And I had a, uh, I had a very, very awful general audition there, which made me realize how much more I had to do. But at the same time, I was still, I was, I bought into a small studio with some people and we were, I was good with the razor blade. So I was editing together voiceover demos for people. And then uh, a casting director said, wow, I really like these things that you put together, whatever. Do you do voiceover? Yeah. And so he said, um, can I hear your demo? And he said, well, your demo, you're, you're good enough for Cleveland. And I said, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> he says, you need some big market polish. And he turned me on to a workshop with a couple of people who are no longer with us anymore. But, uh, but then obviously worked with uh, the great Joni Gerber. Uh, and then moved into doing things where I in these uh, casting director type workshops. And then somebody Lee Gilbert was there. She was an agent at SBV. She said, I want to I think we should sign you. And 
that kind of took off from there. So that's probably 1983, you know, and I went from doing young coming of age movie trailers and promos on kids shows and cartoons to then, you know, doing young, younger dad, warm and friendly spots, the voice of SeaWorld, what have you. Then you start getting a little older and they go, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why not news promos? And then there's news promos. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, you would be really good on documentaries. And I'm really because, God, I'm afraid of reading that long, you know, on pieces. But that kind of my first one was 1993 doing World of Wonder. And since that's what we're talking about, World of Wonder turned into a show called The Secret World of, then a show called Tales of the Gun. So suddenly, you know, that was starting to become not my primary focus, but I'll just say this, my candy store. So while, you know, who, who who's going to turn down a, a national ad, you know, to be the voice of Mercedes or wherever it may be. But storytelling is is for me, the most fun at this point. And that's kind of where I try to hang my hat also as a coach, because there are so many good, there are many good coaches out there for commercials, many good coaches for promos, which I do promos, but I'll coach promos, you know? So it's like knowing your lane, what can I do to serve the industry? And this ironically turned out to be an area that uh, was in need in terms of uh, coaching people for them to understand this particular genre okay that was too long but no that was good no, that not was at good. All. <laughs> so when we talk you know we do, we really do hear the term storyteller a lot even in commercial sure for short um spots producers are the listener is looking for a storyteller so i think this perfectly leads us into our first question is what is the difference between in-show narration and maybe documentary or docu-series? Both require a great amount of storytelling, a skill to really get a message yeah. across and be able to capture the listener's attention. But what, how would you define the differences in those? I'll give you the etymology and you guys can do me a favor and you could spread the word and maybe we'll be able to change something. Okay. <laughs> the, the term in-show comes from this okay so we're doing this we have all these experts they're doing that and the host is doing this the host is doing that we got the graphics and they look and they go um but we're going to need an in-show narrator to kind of set up each act and something like that so you know the person that goes coming up or just to do a cold open it's not a heavy duty responsibility uh -huh. no documentarian says i need an in-show narrator they go, no i need a narrator okay uh -huh. so when you're talking about being the in-show narrator on, let's say, something like uh, Bridezilla's or uh, Top Gear or Toughest Jobs, things like that, the responsibilities are less. Uh, it, you're coming in, you're coming out. You're coming in, you're coming out. You're setting up interviews. You're punctuating interviews. Are they shorter? Yes. Do they not pay as much? Correct. But the thing that's attractive about in-show are the multiple episodes. Talk to my friend Lynn Ann Zager, who's been doing investigation discovery for 10 seasons, 10 shows at a time, versus somebody says, well, I sure would love to do a documentary. Well, great. Here's your $2,500, and now you're done. Mm -hmm. You know, So I think you'll find an in-show, it's it's less, a little, it's, it's, it's storytelling on ahead of a pin to set up, whereas documentaries and docuseries you really have to think beginning middle and end of where the story is going and that's how people should be breaking down when even when they look at an audition which only has uh maybe a page and a half of copy it's got an opening a tease to set up the show and then they bring you about three quarters of a page of what well, you know, the body copy the storytelling copy it's important in that audition to demonstrate do you know how to go from beginning middle and to end do you understand what might be the, uh, I'm going to say, the purpose of the documentary? Do you understand the butt factor? What is the butt factor? The butt factor is you know that Lincoln was assassinated, but you didn't know that John Wilkes Booth, younger brother, was really one of the masterminds behind that. Oh, I didn't know. That's how those shows get pitched. So when people start to look at, 
Oh, here's another nature documentary. Here's a documentary about uh, a docu-series about drugs. You know, it's about digging deeper in terms of the purpose of the story. And uh, what I love about that is it it allows us to dig a little deeper because I think all of us, you know, whoever's listening today and you guys yourselves, your pros, you're probably on your heels half the time of seeing this, no announcer, no this, no flavor, blah, 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 pull back, da, da, da. You know, there's a lot of no, 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 no. Because nobody wants to hear you on a TV commercial. And my wife is the queen of that. Ready? She's like this. I go, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I, 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 I think I read for that. I want to see it. But nobody does that on a documentary. If they, if they turn it off, it's because you didn't engage them. So that's the beauty of whether it's even in show, which is short and set up and more of a thread versus a nature doc or crime doc. Uh, historical doc where you have to really drive the story people want to hear us people want to hear our point of view so that is so i i'm you know people say well i want an in-show demo and i said well you just said you wanted to do a nature thing and but you said you want an in-show demo that's not what an in-show demo is you know and and i just you know in terms of the terminology but it's just kind of gotten down the rabbit hole and i'm like you know what am i going to do stand up here and look like an asshole you know saying it's not called that but as long as you ask the question no and i love your explanation and i do think this is going to benefit a lot of people and of course we are happy to share <laughs> hopefully get those definitions across okay so um this isn't on my list but it's a little detour real yeah, quick don't worry about it because I love, um, I do, we watch a lot of documentaries. My daughter, although 14, she is going to be a marine biologist or a conservationist. For in regard. And so we watch all the planet Earth, all of the, all the different um, documentaries. And of course, Mike Rowe and others. But I'm curious, you named a few like Dirty Jobs and a couple. And they do those documentaries. They tend to use the same voice actors. Is this of actually kind of is docu-series documentary narration kind of a um a mafia yeah there's just certain people in it <laughs> well let me put it this way the best news i can tell you is as many times as i still see mike rowe's name on a script looking for yeah. a mike rowe type yeah um producers actually say Mm, you when you when you when you finally talk to them no 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 that's just a reference we don't we, mike rose on this and this and this we want somebody different but it's just a flavor it's like if you guys read a script and it says sigourney weaver right okay i get it but you know you don't have to go or for men leah schreiber i get it but yeah. you know don't don't be doing your leah schreiber knockoff impression right But I will say that the number of opportunities, and I'll say in documentaries and docuseries, let's forget about reality series. Those, the number of those opportunities are akin to animation. They're not ton. I I would say that maybe, you know, in a normal week, I might have, I, I, the math would tell you, I get about like 1.3, I figured it out last year, 1.3 documentary or docuseries audition a week. Whereas how many commercial things do you get? How many promo things do you get? Same thing. Animation. Even animated kings like Rob Paulson. He doesn't have four or five auditions in a week. There aren't that many series. So it is a candy store for them. This is a candy store for people who like stories. And and I get it. And, And I tell people that when I'm coaching them, I'll say, I want you to be a better storyteller for your corporate narrations. And Jen, Jen G, you brought it up there too. There are some wonderful 30-second TV spots Mm -hmm. that don't sell you. That if people just took off the mute button, they would hear humanity, they would hear philosophy, they would hear purpose. And then it's up to people to decide, am I going to buy that car? Am I going to lose weight this year? Uh, Am I going to get that running shoe? whatever it may be. So storytelling, I mean, good storytelling is good storytelling. And ironically, the things that I book the most commercially at this age in my life are, duh, storytellers. Yeah. Or an over-the-top announcer when they're going, we want a retro thing. Fine. But I'm saying in terms of things that 
I would enjoy. So um, I think it's great. I'm not telling people to, to study TV narration so you become a better storyteller. But those who want to do it, I say, just understand there aren't as many opportunities, but at least it can help you rise above the rest when they're looking for a corporate narrator for a uh, a project about what Cisco is doing in their community to better it. So, so are you finding when we talk about evolution, uh, are you finding that opportunities? Because once again, like when I think of storytellers, I think of uh, or ne- corporate or not corporate um, um, documentary. I think, of course, David Attenborough, you, yeah. Mike Rowe. I've already named three guys as part of the evolution of documentary narration. Are we seeing more opportunities for female voices? Yeah. Excellent. First of first, first of all, Marie Westbrook has done two or three different series, and it's going to continue to happen. Right. Look, look at Lynn Ann Zager, how she opened up an avenue for women to do crime. It's like some producer figured out <laughs> a lot of a lot of women are watching crime. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe maybe we should have a woman narrated. Okay. So when you see stuff from the uh, standpoint of the victim. Yep. Or understanding what the killer was like, perhaps, as opposed to how do they find, how do they solve it, and all that. Okay, that that's male oriented. The other part is more fe- is to be honest with you, more female oriented. Now, um, also uh, Nancy Linari. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to go down my list. Kate Bass. Oh, yeah. um, let me see uh over over a dpn you know Lori allen did a really good job you know it's funny she's so she is so funny but she did a wonderful thing on uh on animals because she's like cuckoo for cocoa puffs for saving every animal in the world and i don't mean that in a bad way we got to have people that do that there are more opportunities and i'll tell you where there are really a lot more opportunities for women hgtv and diy I mean, more women are doing that stuff about how to flip this house, uh, how to where where to buy the best home in Spain. Um, but I also think, uh, and I can tell you, when I go through and I'm working with the talent, and I might, and I have some scripts that are like maybe ten years old still, because I find they're still relevant. And many times I'll say, to, if I'm working with a woman, she'll say, uh, "But it's, I got a little confused because this is male narrator." And I'll say, fill in the blank of the name. I'll say, you know. If this audition were going out today, my agent would have women reading on it. Yep. Because yep. I look at this story and I go, why not? You know what I mean? What gets what gets in the way of that? You know, if it's a burping and farting contest or something, you know, maybe we got to have somebody like Scott Parkin do it. Because <laughs> Scott will find the humor in anything, right? But uh, there are more. Clock's not going back, Jen. That's good. Clocks is clock is not going to go back on this. And the other thing is that the more networks that start, the cheaper programming is mm-hmm. reality programming. Oh you yeah, know, scripted pro scripted actors that it costs that much more money. So um, sometimes you get hybrids like uh, uh, the uh, men, the men who built America, to where they sort of do a. Uh, they use recreation actors. So you have a narrator and then you have somebody who looks like Abe Lincoln just going, yep. you know what I mean? And they get paid three fifty a day to do that. And then somebody else comes in, a secretary, you know, you don't hear her talk and all that. <laughs> but but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot more recreation stories that that come through, but they still need narrators uh, I can also tell you there's a there's there is a woman out of uh, oh. Nadia Marshall. Yeah. Not not Nadia Marshall uh is just crushing it when it comes to you know opportunities there was there was something having to do with they were looking for an Indian accent something about uh uh the slum dog the real the real slum dog millionaires type of thing. So uh it's just going to get more and more. It's going to more and more also not just for women but what I'm saying is different voices. Yeah. Yep. You know, ethnic voices. Here we go. Non mellifluous voices. Yep. So th- that's why I tell people, they say, well, 
I don't think I'm good because I was watching a thing on PBS and I go, stop. I go, stop. I'm not telling you to stop watching PBS. Enjoy PBS. Enjoy those little foxes taking care of their little baby foxes and the adorable thing and how we're going to save them. Please enjoy them. But ignore the narrator. Because the narrator is either A, a celebrity, B, a celebrity, C, (laughs) someone who knows the person who's in charge of corporate uh, broadcasting, and they go, I think she would be really good at this because that's where the money is. Yeah. So they like, you know, nobody likes to say, hmm, Ken Burns, we're giving you, we're giving you $10 million to work on this particular project. And they have that voice, by the way. No, with $10 million. So Ken Burns is not going to hire me. He's not going to hire even the great Dan Noctrob, who I think is maybe one of the best working stiff male narrators out there. Uh, because they're going, well, no, 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 no. We either need Keith David, who is fucking great. But I'm just saying Keith David, Peter Coyote. Peter Coyote, that's who uh, I Peter know. Peter Coyote. Uh, 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 they use Jeff Daniels on one. Yep. Uh, boy, you know, Leo Schreiber. Um, Planet Earth. Hi, we'll get Oprah. Yeah. So all I'm saying is the money for us working stiff actors are on the commercial channels. Yeah. Smithsonian, Nat Geo, Discovery, History, all the different discoveries. A&E, mm-hmm. DLC, DIY, Science Channel, Sci-Fi Channel, okay? Velocity for the guys. <laughs> anyway, uh, those networks, first of all, can't afford to have Peter Coyote narrate their thing on DEA cocaine. That's why they turned to Tom Pinto about five years ago. Okay. Because, you know, we haven't got Peter Coyote's. And, and conversely, I lost a gig because somebody decided to pull the trigger and say, let's use Peter Coyote instead. But I think that's the that's the zone. So enjoy PBS for the content. But here's the other thing, Jen, to Jen, Jen G, Jen T. Where's Alicia? Is she behind the scenes? She taking the day off? Yeah, yeah exactly. she okay. is delivering her child to college. God love her. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Where where's she going? You mind me asking? Idaho. Idaho. It's a, it's a BYU um affiliate. Oh. School. Okay. Well, yeah. My my daughter went to uh did a was a couple years at Washington State. And so when I would go to visit her in Pullman, and then she goes, Daddy, let's go l- let's go to Moscow. I go, what do you mean, Moscow? I'm not going to Russia. No, no, no. It's a little town, seven <laughs> minutes across the border. What a lovely little town. I mean, Idaho is 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 great. Um, any anyway, I think you're gonna you're gonna find that uh, the PBS narrators, if you watch something, and it, you like, for example, my wife, who's not a snob, who's not a VO person, but she loves docs just like I do, and she goes, I don't like her. Yeah. Okay. I, honey, do you know who that is? She goes, I don't know who it is. I said, keep listening, keep listening. I still don't know who it is. And I go, Uma Thurman. It's, she's just, sounds like she's phoning it in. I said, there you go. Because sometimes they can only have celebs. In, and I'm not saying that's the truth about Uma Thurman. But sometimes these people have, uh, you only have them for an hour. The agent says, you only have, I remember Charlton Eston. I was narrating a gun show. I know another story. Another <laughs> uh, I was narrating a gun show waiting to go in and there was uh, Charlton Heston finishing up his thing and telling people, I only have, a, I could hear the background. I only have a couple more minutes. So Uma Thurman, to her credit, got better by the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. But what I advise people to do is when you're watching something on PBS and you enjoy it and you say, well, Tom says, you know, if the narrators aren't good, you know, don't, don't go by that. If you, if you go to the end and take a look at the Roman numerals at the end, you might see that that documentary was done like in 1998 or 2003, which is, yeah, that's a light years ago. Yeah. When it comes to TV narration. 
Anyway, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're hundred percent good. No, but we found this and we won't have to keep harping on it, but um, I've got, um, well, some very dear friends that work in the animation industry out in LA and they say the same things. They were like, we'll bring in these celebrities or comedians. Right. And, you know, in theory, you'll think, oh, well, they're actors, you know, and it is just a thousand percent different behind the microphone. And when you're asking for ABC takes and they're like, I just gave you three A's and that's, you know, like their depth, uh, you know, vocally just is right. It's true. And they can only push the button so far. Exactly. You know, I mean, just using their name at that point. And you you can't you can't get uh, I don't want to use names but but there there was one she's she's a a working actress a long time ago but it's like I I, I it was at a recording studio when well, you guys are either of you in L A or no no okay. I pop over there but okay so there the, at the time that there was a great studio it's still there but it was like everybody went you went to L A studios and people people used L A studios all the time animation commercials whatever. So I was in there doing a, a commercial session. I walk in the door and I see Rob Paulson and mm-hmm. he's sitting there, you know, and we hug and we laugh and he tells jokes like he always does. And I said, so what are you waiting to do? He says, um, just kind of waiting for my turn here. They're, they're spending a lot of time with, and you fell in the blank, the name of this celebrity. And uh, they didn't want, she didn't want to work with anyone together. And it was funny because it was an interactive piece. Oh, no. And the, and the producer says, OK, then fine. We're going to cut it together. I guess we're going to have to cut it together. So Rob goes in there afterwards, as I found out later from him, that they had to play her tracks. So Rob could do one of two things. First, bounce off of her a little bit more to make it funnier. And B, calibrate his performance Somewhere with what she was doing. Yeah. It's um it's unfortunate because when you talk about comedians, you know what? Rob is a comedian, Maurice LaMarche is a comedian, Lori Allen is a comedian, Adi Bradley Baker is a comedian. And it's too bad that these working stiffs don't get the spoils. You know what they get? Hi, we're gonna throw you a couple of incidental voices on this feature film. Yep. Blah, 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 and do some walla afterwards. Now, Rob is as grateful as the day is long. You'd never hear him complain, but I'm complaining for them. Yeah. That the working stiffs should get the opportunity to do it. And, you know, and I include, how do I put it? Bob Birkin is a celebrity because he does an iconic voice. But Bob is much more capable than just of what he does. Mm-hmm. But there are, uh, which made me like very happy that uh candy milo had such a she played the role of granny in the late in the latest uh space jam movie didn't go to a celeb and of course candy is she's so flipping funny so i was happy it was kind of like okay score one for the score one for the working stiffs well let's change it up tom in 2024 let's change i don't know it. let's Who get those you know what then we, you know we need to know a guy yeah. who can walk in and say hey I need you to do something different. All right. I'm on that. So, okay, let's keep going. So our most docu-series, in-show narration and docu-series jobs, are they union gigs? Like, be real. Really? They're called non-jurisdictional, most of them. Oh. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll give you the the difference. Discovery is not a signatory. So if Discovery says, oh, we really liked you on this Arctic rescue thing, we would like you to do these eight, eight episodes, and that's fine. Okay, now, History Channel is a signatory. So I remember auditioning for something, and I got it. And then my agent, you know, they put me on hold, and my agent says, um, this may not happen. Why? History Channel is a signatory. And the production company is not, and they're barking at the, you know, oh shit, you know, we have to pay an eight, and we have to pay the fifteen point five percent to pension and welfare and all that other stuff. Um, many times, agents will step in and say, if you're paying this person above scale, which, if you're with a good agent, I mean, scale for a one hour documentary or or docuseries is like i think it's like 1100 or something like that okay you know i'm i make double that easily okay so they can back into something and say you know what 1700 
plus you get a signatory to run the paperwork to go in there. That's if it's something like History Channel, who is a signatory. But Discovery is not a signatory. Nat Geo is not a signatory. DIY is not a signatory. Uh, you know, so it's almost a non-issue. Okay. Uh, it, 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 it just is. So I tell people, don't let that throw you. The bummer is I have, you know, a, a longtime colleague who has always done a shitload of stuff for sharks. And he, you know, we had a phone call and he says, you know, I didn't make my insurance last year because hmm. I only have like $16,000 worth of after radio and this and that, but I got 60,000 in, in narration stuff that is not. So uh, I was, yeah. So I was, you know, I was having a conversation with Melissa at Exelberth. She's out of, New- by the way, another great fierce working staff, female narrator, Melissa Exelberth. Okay. And it said, isn't there a way where we can say, you know what? We would like to volunteer to put into our own pension and welfare type, set something up. Mm. And then Carrie Tombazian, who's a big union person, said she wasn't against it, but she goes, Tommy, you can't do that. Because the kind of pensions that SAG and AFTER have have to be funded by the producers and not by the talent. I said, wow, something's got to change here in this world of in this world of so many things have gone non-union forget about tv narration but you know somebody who somebody i know who several years ago said um they uh, i've got a possibility of do being the voice of ralph's grocery store which is two radio spots and a tv spot every week and that would be a great gig i can't turn it down and i said to her i wouldn't have told you this 10 years ago but you need to go ficor then mm-hmm. because yep. what are you going to do Yep. You know, on stuff like that. And the problem is, is that she should have been able to invest that in the in the, the solvency of the union. And if so much stuff is going non-union, you're hoping that people, if they're making, hey, I made $2,000 on five spots and it's really great. Well, sorry, you should have made 50000 for that. But wouldn't it be nice if you were able to take some of that 10000 and put it into something that would... Health insurance. And right. and I want I don't want to get into a big thing on this, but I will tell you something. It was like three years ago having a conversation with, with Tim Freelander t- talking about this and the other thing. And he told me about his idea. He said, I would like to start an organization. I said, so many people would be who need mm-hmm. to. And so thus NAVA. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to get insurance for their members because the number, you know, the price goes down with numbers. You know, in terms of, you know, I, I know people who make a great living, but well, I've got a $5,000 deductible and it's $1,000 a month on top of that with my kids. And I say, oh, God, I don't even want to tell them that I only spent $170 a month on my premium. Yeah. Sag and after. Yeah. So I think what they're doing there is good for actors, especially because of the amount of non-union work. I'm right. not saying yay non-union. But I'm saying if somebody is making, here we go, uh, e-learning, people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year e-learning. Well, they go, well, that's fine. I'll invest on my own. Will you? Because I know that I didn't invest as much as I should have because after and SAG were kicking in on my behalf. And I thank God that they did. So don't let that non-union thing get in the way of storytelling. I guess that's your question, you're good. We're learning rabbit here. hole. Rabbit We're hole. Learning here. Well, let me ask you one more question, yeah. and then we're going to go to. We have a quick little um, because we have a sponsor, so we have to do our little commercial. But my That's one fine. That's question fine. is, what do auditions look like? If I ever get an audition for a documentary or in show, what does that look like? It will usually be usually maybe no more than three pages, but it's three pages larger font type. Okay. Double spaced. Um, you may have like uh, the first page is maybe 25 seconds of copy to uh, for the cold open, pulling people into the show. Uh, I'm looking at something to come up with the name of a show. 
uh, churches in Alaska. All right. So you have 25, you know, a 25 second cold open. So they want to see how you pull people in. Then they'll give the body copy. All right. Now, sometimes the body copy will just be four or five paragraphs of the first act. So they see how you thread the story and everything. Sometimes if it's a multi multiple storyline documentary or docuseries, let's say a crime thing, you may do three or four paragraphs talking about Jen Greenfield and how her body was discovered on blah, 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 blah. Then you have a transition in 2001. Ah. Jen T. Yep. You know, was missing for three weeks. So they want to see how you do that. Uh, There are other types of uh, ways to define, for example, uh, a car show. Many times cold open, fun, good competition. Then there will be one about, okay, now in the body copy, how do you, how do you, how do you uh, really show the human element back and forth? These two guys trying to outduel themselves. And then there could be a final long paragraph, which is what? How do you sound with technical terms? Okay. You know, can you say four barrel, double, blah, 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 muffler, carburetor? See, I'm not a car guy. But the, <laughs> po- the point is, you know, that they'll put that as their own acid test. So the I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but. TV narration auditions are not like of three and a half minutes of copy. Okay. They're just usually not. Uh, Sometimes if they've narrowed it down, if they've, if they've gone to an agent like Lisa Marber rich and said, you know, I've got this show, blah, 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 blah. Tell me, give me, give me some demos to listen to. And Lisa will give them a list and then they'll come back and say, okay, these five people are basically auditioning for this. And they may say, please read all. Oh, okay. But when you but when you know you're a requested talent on it, and that's usually what it says at that point, then it's it behooves you to show them how you set up a show, move through the act, and also the thing that you want to look for is your cliffhanger. How do you leave people wanting more? Also, to get to how do you demonstrate what the purpose of the story is? Like I told you about the butt factor before who right. really was behind all this stuff. And then to consider, all right, what kind of network, you know, animal planet is a little more carefree and they love natural sounding narrators on their animal stuff. Whereas Nat Geo is better with not prefers prettier voices, but they like more traditional voices when they can. So that's what those auditions would okay. look like. And you'd be surprised. There are some where you go, that's it? When that's the case, when you only have two or three paragraphs on something, whether it's a reality series or documentary, that opens up the door for you to show your versatility and deliver multiple takes. Ah, that's a great point. Slightly different voice print, slightly different energy level, maybe a different attitude so you can demonstrate the range on it. Because here's an irony, ladies. How many times, and I love Sound and Fury, don't get me wrong, Sound and Fury has been going to the household. They're very smart. They're very wonderful. But sometimes there is more direction than there is copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? We really shouldn't fault them for doing that. The irony is... In a TV narration audition, hi, male, female, looking for a good storyteller, natural gravitas, not too old. That's not really flipping specific. Yeah. That doesn't tell you. They haven't even given you a prototype to linger on. So sometimes you have to find those opportunities. You know, if they're delivering you, if they're giving you two pages, you can't give them two takes of two pages. That's too much. But. But if it's just two or three graphs, then you could say, ah, I'll take this opportunity to stir up my stuff a little bit. That's perfect. Thank you. All right. So um, Alicia's not here, but she is our voice of our sponsor. So here we go. Our sponsor is Studio Bricks. And I invested in a Studio Bricks booth, which allows me to record um, while my neighbor's mowing his lawn, which has been 
vital for me to be able to continue working in this industry um, with the kind of noise pollution that's coming from next door, so to speak. So we love Studio Bricks. We highly recommend them. I highly recommend Studio Bricks and would suggest that anybody who's looking for a way to up their voiceover business and be able to be more consistent with when they can record, look into a Studio Bricks booth. All right, there we go. Okay, JT, ask some questions. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. JT, I have to stop you. I have to stop you. I have that flannel. You do? Something I love very, that. Very, I'm a flannel guy. Me too. I have a closet full. <laughs> anyway, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, clearly, just listening to you talk for the last half hour or so, you are an amazing coach. Um, you're highly sought after. And I, you know, I do a little bit of digging and I, I know that you've developed your own coaching technique. So I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that. How did you start coaching? A long time ago, when I was, when I talked about editing together, putting together those little demos, that uh, that same casting director, Bob Lloyd, you guys are familiar with, maybe you get copied from an outfit called The Voice Caster in LA, mm -hmm. time to time. Yep. Okay. Kelly's wonderful. Kelly bought it from a guy named Huck. And before Huck, I'm trying to remember, but then Bob Lloyd was the guy who started it in the, oh, drum roll, please. I think it was like late 70s. Okay. Okay. But Bob was very prickly and he would just go, uh, <clears throat> well, I like the way you put together this. Um, how would you feel about working with a celebrity to, to cut it together? No, to direct them. I don't know. Because you only have to do a couple pieces. He goes, but uh, this agent, she needs, uh, she, she represents, uh, I can't remember what the actor was. Oh. The actor was Margot Kidder. Remember her on Superman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, she was recovering from me. She rest in peace. She was recovering from her, you know, sobriety and everything like that. And I, you know, put together like a mini demo, like three spots, directed her on some things and all that. She ended up getting the Camp Lipton campaign a couple years later. And she sent me like. I forget what it was, flowers or something. It was very, very, very sweet lady. But then that started in terms of directing people. I saw all of a sudden I got known for be for directing people, which I was kind of like so young. I was like, is anybody going to listen to me, <laughs> let alone a celebrity? So I think my deal is I try to read the person. I'm a psych major. I was a psych major. I, that's my piece of paper on the wall in the other room. Okay. And you can't direct people the same way. You have to find where their truth is, uh, what their foibles are, what their, has, uh, what, what their uh, reluctancy is. And also in terms of what, especially for TV narration, and this kind of bringing it back to our topic as well, Jen. I always tell people, if your range on your commercial demo is like this, your range on your narration demo is going to be like this. Because, you know, you could talk to any guy out there who can probably sustain the cool guy for 10 seconds to talk about beer. But if they talk for two minutes, you go, no, 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 he's not cool. He's not gravelly. He's not whatever. You know what I mean? He's just he's just faking it. So I try to get people to say, no, 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 no. Don't worry about doing science if you're not good at science. I don't care how much work is in science narration. If you're not, you're not. Yeah. Find your passion on that. So that's what I try to do in my process to work with someone is to see what their rhythms are like, what their inclinations are, uh, how they can be where they are when they're speaking naturally, and then adjusting from there. And then to kind of educate them to what is out there. And I think knowledge of what's in the marketplace is very, very important. Okay. And I say that's different than marketing. I mean, marketing, when you say, I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there, I'm going to give them my demo, do this and that. But I'm talking about starting off saying, where, where are you going to fit in the industry? You know, I mean, if you want to be with such a CESD agency, you know, how are you going to be different? What makes you, what makes you a little different? What makes you a, a little more special in there? Right. So I just try to personalize it. I didn't study Meisner. I didn't stutter, study Boleslavsky, although I read a book. Uh, but uh, I, I just tried to, 
I also wrote a lot of copy, Jen, when I was working at radio stations. So, and I also have freelanced in my in the early '80s to when I had my small studio, where this one company would come in to do their weekly radio spots for. Uh, it was an outfit called you could like you have Macy's. It was called Make Company, kind of the same deal, you know, all kinds of things. And eventually they would say, we want to see if we can do something a little different on it. And so I started writing some things with those people. So I have a sense, I have a respect for what copywriters go through. And I also try to include that uh, when I'm directing somebody in terms of, I think you're missing their point. We're so, sometimes we're so hung up on what we sound like or that we're not doing enough and all that, that, I mean, that, that, we're, that we're doing too much, that maybe you're not doing enough. You know, there's got to be give a shit factor, even yeah. if it's understated. Give a shit factor. It's got to connect. So, uh, so I, I, I don't know any other way to put what my process might be. I do for TV narration, though. I do rely on a list of ten considerations that I help people to use to break down copy and to find the most appropriate um, delivery for that particular project. And it's not like it's a checkmark list, but it's one that people who are pretty good already at storytelling and they do their first take and they go, oh, it's pretty good. Well, it's pretty good. But, you know, they go, you know, I know I could do something better. They go through the list and they may say, oh, I know. Yeah, you're right. I didn't really have a sense of what the network could be. I could be a little more specific there or, oh, I should think about what kind of music is there at the opening. Maybe it will help me to be a little more dramatic or a little more soothing or a little more gritty, a little grittier. So uh, those considerations are, in my humble opinion, also like a producer checklist. To like, is he setting up the interviews well? Is he acknowledging what the visuals are? And I'll yeah. just say that has been a mantra of mine even before I started really coaching TV narration. And it is think visually before you act vocally the pictures are king the pictures yeah. are the stars and i mean over the past year we've interviewed several people who um have varying opinions uh, on when you look at the copy do you do you respect the copy the way it is and do you respect the specs or do you just throw it out and do what you think you know again i am more and more in the camp of the writer. Now, on TV narration, you can't throw stuff out. And even improv on TV narration is difficult because it gets in the way of the edits and the dissolves of some beautiful shots. Now, on a radio commercial, you got to make it your own. I get it. Um, but I do think you have to say to yourself, they're asking for, here we go, circle A. Circle A is what they're asking for. Circle B is what you think it should be and can deliver. Find the intersection. That intersection is probably going to be the highest probability of booking. Now, I'm referring to, Gen T, I'm re referring to, you know, spots that are maybe 30 seconds long, so there's more meat on the bone. You know, when we're looking at a seven-second tag and everybody and their mother's son is reading for it, there should be some out-of-the-box stuff in there because you never know what's going to happen. You know, maybe they go, no, 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 we, we don't want an ominous. We want it quirky. I love what you did there. That was funny. It's the only one that made me stand up. And so she yeah. books the spot. So I think the truth is somewhere in between. You can't, you can't diss the writer. And also you have to think about how would the client feel about that? If you're doing something that you think is funnier or more dramatic, does it suit their brand of what they're doing? Does it put their product or service in a better light? If the answer is yes, then you probably have an opportunity to do that. That probably opens up. But as we all know, it's an inexact science. It really is. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's in, in exact science more than ever before is because we have the beauty. We have the ability to record from the solace of our booths. So no one is directing us. We don't even have a warm body. Like, you know, when I was with SBV and I'd go in person, I'd do my first take and, and whoever it was, sometimes it was uh, Andrew Atkin, you know, of ACM. 
Mm-hmm. He started out as a started out on the phones, and then he was delivering copy, and then he was recording people. And so, you know, Andrew would be like, "That's great, just to do another, loosen it up. Maybe that's all I needed. Maybe I needed an audience. Maybe I needed encouragement. Maybe I needed accountability to other than you know my lab sitting down here. She's not here right now, but you know, so." we don't have direct accountability with the producer. I think anybody who's watching right now with you and yourselves included, when you've had a callback, a directed callback, Oh my God, you can ask all the questions you want. You can say, do you mind if I try it this way? And they go, oh, great. It's a callback because they're not sure of what they want still. Right. Open the door. It opens the door for something different on that. So uh, just don't. There's a woman I know who teaches a class and it's and, and it says F the specs. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of that. And I just don't think not everyone was born to break the rules. Robin Williams was born to break the rules. Rebel Wilson, she breaks the rules. The rest of us we got to find a way to bend the rules or play by the rules creatively. But that's just my talking. So uh, when someone coaches with you, what is the biggest takeaway that you want them to have? I do like to use that word. In other words, after we've worked on a piece, I'll say, well, what are the takeaways for you? And I want them to walk away and being able to put something in their own words about what they're going to do the next time they have a script like that. Sometimes this is like exercise. You know, you get used to doing the exercise and how to use, you go through your routine and you start out and it's taking you 45 minutes to do your routine. Now you got it down to 30 minutes because you, you're, you know, muscle memory and everything else. Thank you. So I, I, I just, I just think that I tell people, what did you learn that you will do different next time or that you'll remember? And some of those takeaways might be, again, addressing the Achilles heel. Like uh, there was the one person I work with and like, I got to come up with a different name. Um, let me look around here. <laughs> there we go. I said, boy, you are back half Danielle. Goes, what do you mean? I said, you get going about 15 minutes into it. You're feeling good. You're feeling loose. And I said, you know what? If you're stiff at the opening, it's okay. Just do me a favor. When you get to the end, don't stop. Don't think. Go right back to the top and do it again and then cut it together and be done. And it's not cheating because you don't have anybody directing you to push you. So these are self-direction rules, whether it's commercial or you know, or, or TV narration. So back half Daniela, you know, because was I back half Daniela there? I said, no, you're okay. Out of the gate. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, reached just about the top of the hour, but before we let you go, uh, NJ's got some questions for you. Great. So one thing we didn't pop um, over to, and I just want to um, ask you, so JT and I both are very excited about promo um, in 2024. Uh-huh. We're both actively pursuing uh, in kind of different areas though, but I'm curious. So you ta- you, you do promo too. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're seeing in the new year uh, that might be coming along? Is there any tips or tricks you have for folks that are interested in this genre? I, I would say, especially trying to get into promo. Mm-hmm. Don't bother listening to ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Just mm, put it aside. It's okay. Be listening to the cable networks because that's your foray. Also, cable networks are looking for more specific sounds. Now, my buddy Reno Romano has been doing shit for NBC for years doing comedy. You know what I mean? And we got a lot of younger guys, you know, kind of, oh, I'm going to do my Reno Romano. Or... Uh, 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 one uh, a client of mine, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of working on his Dorian Harewood thing for, you know, Law and Order SVU and all that. Yeah. But I think you're going to find those cable networks provide opportunities that aren't necessarily 
the traditional promo announcer. Some are more conversational. Some are more bombastic. Some are more throw throwaway. Some are more linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think that, again, I, I said this before, Jen, there's no going back. There's not going to be fewer women. There's not going to be fewer blacks. You know, uh, it's 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 a diverse situation on promo. Part of what happens, though, I will say this just to keep in mind, I'm not defending networks, but when you have to do two or three shows and you've gotten the stuff, you've gotten the stuff from the showrunner. Okay, these are our funny cuts. These are the cuts we want. Blah, 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 blah. Then some then the then they got a then the then the the uh the network guy promos guys have to write it. And then they gotta record it because it's gotta be on the air tomorrow. Because it's got to start on Friday because the show starts airing on Monday. They want somebody that they're not going to have to go over and over and over again to figure it out. Yeah. They got somebody who can go from one show to the next, one show to the next. Somebody who can do the different tags can shrink rack the tags, can go shorter, can go a little faster, go a little brighter, whatever it may be. So like as Townsend Coleman used to say, sometimes people work because they work, you know. And Townsend is a great example of uh, not just an incredibly gifted talent, but his work ethic, his work ethic was off the charts. Same thing with Joe Cipriano. Yep. Never take a vacation. Yeah. Joe goes to Hawaii. I got a setup in my, (laughs) I got a setup in my closet (laughs) and I'm staying in the same hotel, same room every time. Hey, listen, you're making that kind of money. When I did the CBS evening news, and we go to the Carpinteria for the for the week. Guess who was in the second bedroom every day from like noon to two p.m. Hey, yeah. this helps to pay for the vacation. Right. Yeah. So, uh, promo. I'm just going to say is people are muting. People are muting. So when you look at promo copy, try to look at the things if you're auditioning. Try to look for the lines that possibly are superimposed. So if you say something about something about uh, who's going to die or whatever like that, take a look at the left side of the page and see if there's a big question mark that's going to come up on the video. Okay, they do that because they want to make sure that if people are muting, they get the sense of the story. Mm -hmm. I remember when a producer at CBS Evening News, Justin DeLaurel, was so fucking smart. He got everybody, you know, when when he when they kick kind of kicked him upstairs. He says, "I want block letter things, you know, of stories, you know, this saying, you know, indictment, second story, missing child, boom, blah, blah, boom." Yeah, Hartman, Steve Hartman on the road, you know, a life changing moment. So even if my wife is muting, they've got those three things. But for the audition. If you look at those three things that they're superimposing, that will help you maybe to get the job if you see the different elements of that story. Promo is just a short-ass story. You establish, you move through, you pay off. You establish, you move through, you pay off. And always remember this. I don't care what anybody says, because uh, I had three dear former radio friends. Oh, God, you, we're running over. Sorry. You're good. You're uh, good. No, I'm fine. I just Three former radio friends who all became showrunners on small shows like, oh, I don't know, MASH. Uh, I don't know, Cheers. <laughs> I don't know, Night Court. They would always say, they would send the networks. They would say, make sure this is the last thing they see before the announcer says the title of the show. So if it was Friends, nine, nine times out of ten, it was Chandler going, uh, yeah, I knew that. You know, I can't think of anything funny right now. And all new friends went, you know, so so with like Button, same thing. Uh, What's her name from um, Law and Order SVU? Mershka Hargitay. Yep. And I like looking at it. It's not you, is it? All new Law and Order. Okay. So the last line is the most dramatic or the most poignant. Make sure that when you do the tag, it resonates that vibe as well as brands the show 
resonates the vibe of that specific promo and brands the show. Okay, I didn't know I was going to be talking promo, but... Well, I just wanted to ask because you mentioned it at the beginning and I was like, it's just one more in your little toolkit of things that you're good at. Well, we have made it an hour. It has been a fascinating hour. I know our listeners are... People who've joined us live are. are well, I hope they enjoyed it. Back. You know, oh. I hope it didn't ramble too much here. You know, no, you're good. So before you go and we close things up, we like to ask our guests three for fun questions. Got it. Um, fun. Lipton style. So <laughs> I'm uh, great. What show? The first one is what show or series are you watching right now? Are you a binger? What am I watching right now? Uh, truth would be. We, we, my wife and I, we rewatch Gilded Age because I love Julian Fellow's style of writing. I was a big Downton guy. Yeah. And, and now I just love all the little details in there. Uh, but that's, I'm looking for something new uh, that, that, or, or uh, oh, you know what I discovered about three weeks ago that I'm, I'm starting to watch a little bit. I'm enjoying it is uh, Suits. I never watched. Oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah. the heck out of that. So, Tom, I'm going to send you. No, I'll just tell you now because it's funny. I think what? it's funny. So I created a drinking game that I could never play because I would be tanked within. Okay. <laughs> um, but I call it Toss It. And <laughs> when you watch Suits, you will not be able to unsee this. Every time they toss a folder, you have to drink. And so, oh my God, take my word. Oh for my it. God, we're gonna watch it now. And I'm like, wait for it and toss it. And um, the whole yeah. show. It's that's <laughs> that's that's just great. And you know what's funny is that now I'm watching Sarah Rafferty, who played Donna. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, now she was on she was on uh, Chicago Med. And played a really cranky doctor and everything. So, like, you watch it and, ew, oh, God, I'm so uncomfortable. Why is she cranky? But good acting. So, to watch her be fun and sarcastic yep. as, like, I'm going, good for her. Good for yep. her. Yep. She carries yeah. it. Okay. Good. Number two, dream vacation. What's that look like? Dream vacation will be in 2025. Uh, we'll be going back to Italy. But this time, we'll also be going to Sicily. Yes. Because that that's where that's where my uh, great grandfather came from. So wonderful! My we've actually been to Italy many times. We lived in Germany for several years, and mm-hmm. um, my husband will say Sicily is his favorite place. Uh, they would do exercises. I just I just feel I speak the language, the food, and as oh. as, as my wife said, as we were driving down the autopista one time, she goes, "You know what? This is like Napa with castles." You know. Yeah. Yeah. It felt very, very comfortable. And uh, I, I just, you know, there were other places too. Now I want to go to Slovenia. Oh, yeah. Because I've watched The Amazing Race and I'm going, it's so beautiful. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. All right. So that I, may be a dream vacation for me. Well, know. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see the pictures. So <laughs> number three, what is your go-to shower singing song? Come on. No, you know what? Because I, I had a, I had an earworm you know, going on. Uh, I don't normally sing like that in the shower, but what's been in my head lately, I know it's crazy makes is um, always remember us this way by Lady Gaga from star is born. Yeah. So I'm like the Arizona sky. I just, you know, you know what? I should cover that. I'll cover that for you. You know what? You play, excuse me. You play piano. Great piano song. It really now. Excuse me. I love the sh- I love the shallow. I did. Yep. But I just there was something about working through the pain and all that was just anyway. So that would be my only. And by the way, I'm not a good singer, so that it'll it'll stay in the shower. That's all right. All right, so JT, over to you. Well, a huge thank you to everyone who joined us live today. If you're listening to our podcast, feel free to join us live on YouTube every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. If you missed a live episode, you can always catch our recording later on our website, boothbesties.com, or anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts. I know Apple is like right up there for us. We would also love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review because those reviews help us reach people who are looking for great voiceover content. 
And don't forget to like and subscribe. And once again, make sure you're signed up for the VO Booth Besties newsletter. All you need to do is go to boothbesties.com and submit your email to us and we'll get you added. And join us next week when we talk to ASP agency owner, Suzanne Spaziani. Uh, We're going to talk about agency representation, when you know you're ready to submit, and what that process looks like, and really whatever questions you have for an agent. She's wonderful. So, Well, you guys are on it. Oh, all over it. So thank you all for being here, and we hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, Tom, just hang on. We're going to close out the- Got it. You got it. All right. Bye, everyone. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing.